Hello and welcome back to another episode of Alumni Connect, your source for alumni news, events, and research here at U of T's Department of Nutritional Sciences. My name is Rodney and I will be your host for today. And joining me today is Dr. Stephanie Nishi for part two of our interview. This is actually a continuation of our previous episode, but we've split this into two segments because it covers two different topics. Just as a quick recap, Steph has been a long-standing member of the Alumni Association and has recently taken a postdoctoral position within the Pre-Med Study Group in Spain. Now, our previous episode talked about Steph's graduate work here at UFT within the Department of Nutritional Sciences, and today's segment will actually focus on her journey as a postdoc and some of her experiences. So Steph, your graduate work focused on exploring the health impact of tree nuts, such as almonds and walnuts, but this actually ties fairly closely to the work that you're currently doing now within the research group that you're in. For those who don't know, if Steph, you don't mind, I'll give a brief introduction. <laughs> you don't see this because it's a podcast, but Steph is smiling and nodding. <laughs> Okay, so in 2013, the group that Steph is working with now published a landmark trial in the New England Journal of Medicine called the Prevención con Dieta Mediterránea. This is more commonly known as the PREDIMED trial. Excuse my poor Spanish. I will go over the exact details of this trial and the dialogue surrounding it in an episode down in the future, but to summarize, the PREDIMED trial involved 7,447 individuals who were at high risk for cardiovascular disease and randomized them into one of three diets. The first one, a Mediterranean diet supplemented with extra virgin olive oil. The second one, a Mediterranean diet supplemented with nuts. Hmm? And the third one is a control diet that encouraged low-fat foods. Now, this trial was stopped actually early after a median follow-up of 4.8 years after demonstrating that both the Mediterranean diet groups, this is both the extra virgin olive oil and the nuts, significantly lowered the rate of overall cardiovascular disease. Now, at the time, this was considered a major undertaking and a landmark trial. It still is today reporting data on over 7,000 participants and hard outcomes in its composite measures, such as the incidence of myocardial infarction and stroke. These are actual hard outcomes and not the intermediate ones that you see typically studied in nutrition, such as cholesterol or blood pressure. Now, Steph, I'm sure you would know this too, uh, but this was not the first clinical trial to explore the cardiovascular benefits of the Mediterranean diet. There have been other significant landmark trials that have done this in the past. One that comes to both of our minds, I'm sure, is the Lion Diet Heart Study that was published in 1999. Now, what is special, though, is that previous studies have really only looked at secondary prevention, which is investigating within individuals who have already had a cardiovascular event and whether this diet can reduce the risk of another event occurring. In this case of the PREDIMED study, this was a primary prevention trial where individuals did not have cardiovascular disease at baseline. They were at high risk, but they did not have cardiovascular disease at baseline. Never had a heart attack, never had a stroke. And what this means is that from a clinical standpoint, this is showing whether diet can prevent cardiovascular disease from occurring rather than simply managing cardiovascular disease after it has manifested. So 
This in and of itself is a Herculean task, and it's very exciting to hear that a fellow alumni is now working with this group. So now that I've rambled on long enough, sorry about that, I want to ask you, Steph, what is it like to be working with a group like this, with a group with such a strong pedigree for your postdoctoral work? What are some of the work that you're doing now, and what are some of the things that you've learned while working there? Sure. Well, I'm learning a lot, like each year and each different, um, I guess, step you could say that I'm in. I feel like there's so much more that I can learn and um, so many more questions that I have as I go through all of this. But yeah, this group, so they conducted the PREDIMED trial, which, as you mentioned, was looking at a Mediterranean diet, which included nuts as well as olive oil in um, the conjunction of an overall Mediterranean diet compared to a controlled diet, looking at cardiovascular event outcomes. And now they're currently, or we're currently um, doing another similar trial, but it's called the PREDIMED Plus. So it's taking it one step further. So also adding in exercise and um, they're also doing an energy restriction component to it as well, just to see what is, what potentially um, what type of an effect that could have in these participants. So it's a multi-center uh, trial. It involves 23 centers across Spain. Um, yeah, so it's pretty big. So what I find really fascinating about this trial and getting to be a part of this group is seeing how this trial is organized and the project management of it and how everything is connected. So coordinating 23 centers that to me is a big task or at least it sounds like there's a lot of different aspects that you have to think of where do blood samples go where do they even collect toenail samples where do all the questionnaires go for assessment um, so it's been really fascinating to see how Dr. Jordi Salas Salvado and the different teams do this process so using technology, um, as well as just the communication between all the groups and how do you keep everybody on the same page and having the same goals and making sure things run smoothly, especially over the past two years. So things in research um, had to slightly modify over the past two years just because of other restrictions that we were faced. But this team was really able to address those um, issues. And I believe that a a paper we're currently working on a paper and hopefully you'll be able to see it in press sometime in the near future but how it's talking about how these things were addressed did it affect the actual analysis of the data and how participants responded to things so we were able to actually analyze those aspects do you feel like there's something that is not very well known about the study group that you feel like other people should know about that they've all been so kind and welcoming <laughs> not that people don't know this but even though i came to spain hardly knowing any spanish and had been trying to learn catalan because that was the language that is no is um mainly spoken here and because of the potential it's slightly more similar to french than spanish and i was like oh okay, I know French, sort of. Can I use this to my advantage to be able to communicate with people? But even though I'm still working on my language skills, everybody has been so welcoming. And um, there's just 
a lot of different questions that this data is able to answer. Um, and it's very, there is a very defined process on how to apply to be able to answer a question. Even if you are working within one of the teams, you still have to apply and submit your proposal to be able to say, okay, this is a question that it's been addressed in the trial registration, but here's how I'm looking at it. These are the analyses that I think would be appropriate and putting forward the proposal and making sure the committee signs off on it before you can move forward. And then there's certain timelines that you have to meet um, for being able to complete the analysis, complete the manuscript and be able to submit. I don't so know if I that answers. No, no, it's good. And I won't ask too much more about the work itself just because, I mean, this, this is a landmark trial in the in the world of nutrition. And if you ever wonder why uh, clinical practice guidelines, there's a lot of recommendations on Mediterranean diet. This is one of the big trials that have really put that on the map, right? For uh, general health, uh, these sorts of things. So let's talk more about your postdoc journey because I feel like you are in a fairly unique position. You did your graduate studies here in Canada mm -hmm. and then you decided to pursue a postdoc outside of Canada, but not just in the United States, but you flew across an ocean to get to, to, get to Europe. Mm -hmm. And this is where you are doing your postdoc. So what is, it, what is that process like? What, what has been easy? What has been difficult? Just so that if we have any viewers, any listeners who want to pursue a postdoc in Europe, what advice can you give them? Yeah, sure. Well, I guess I'll start at the beginning. Um, I actually started looking, okay, where is there a research team where I can learn something from and contribute to as well? And this started midway through my PhD. So it wasn't near the end because there's so much that had to happen even before getting to where I am or getting to Spain. So I was meeting with individuals at conferences and I'm very grateful to Dr. Seal Kendall who introduced me to Dr. Jordi Salas Salvado because we were at the DNSG conference together and this conference I really appreciate that even after the formal presentations there's social events where everybody gets to come together so you actually get to speak with the other researchers and other presenters even if you feel like oh my goodness I've read all their research and you kind of look up to them in that way um, so we were able to get talking and um, Dr. Salas Salvador mentioned okay if you apply for grants and you're able to get funding come join my team. So from the moment I got home after that conference, I was looking into different grant opportunities and possibilities. Um, luckily, Canada, even if you don't um, continue studying in Canada, there are still some grants that you can apply for. So there is the CIHR, so Canadian Institutes for Health Research one and the Banting and Best. And there's also some European grants that you can apply for. However, one of the barriers that I found for the European grants was that you had to have completed your PhD already. So that means that you wouldn't be starting your postdoc post until a year after you had completed your PhD. So that would leave a year where you're just like, okay, do I work? Do I do other things? Do I try to do a postdoc somewhere else? What can I do? Um, so I was very, very lucky to be able to be a recipient of the CHR postdoctoral fellowship to be able to do this opportunity. 
um, and come to Spain. And then even before getting to Spain, there is a lot of paperwork that you had to get to in terms of applying for a visa and applications and um, making sure everything was in order. Um, and then even when getting here, I still have to, even though initially I was told I had a visa for three years, once I got here, they're like, nope, you have to do all that paperwork again each year. <laughs> so that's the process. Um, it may not be like that for everybody, but that's just my personal experience. <laughs> but getting here and getting to meet the team, um, I was very grateful that even though it was in lockdown when I got here, the particular team that I was working with was still going into the unit and I expected to go into the unit. So just taking precautions, but at least that meant that I got to meet people face to face, which I found very helpful because meeting somebody face-to-face -face and getting to know and learn from them is something that helps me in my learning process and knowing how can I best contribute as well. We would do, still do things virtually, of course, but I just found it made making the trip overseas that much more <laughs> of an experience. Oh boy, Steph, I can only imagine and I'm sure you recounting your experience here is definitely going to be helping somebody who listens to this podcast who might eventually go through something similar that you did. Oh boy, Steph, I can only imagine. And like you said, it's going to be different for everybody. But thank you so much for sharing this with us because somebody down the line who's listening to this is going to find this information very useful, very helpful. And it's not always that you get someone who goes to a completely different country that speaks a completely different language to essentially start a new job. So kudos to you, Steph. And looking at the clock now, we've actually gone on for quite a little while. So we'll probably start to wrap things up. So Steph, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Well, thank you so much, Rodney, for inviting me to speak here. And I really am so glad that we got to chat. Now, if anyone here wants to be able to reach you, is there any way they can reach you? Is there any sort of social media that you have that they can connect with you if they have more questions specifically for uh, getting into a postdoc somewhere outside of Canada? If you can give them any sort of advice, would you be able to? Yeah, of course, I'd be happy to. So feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Let me know that this is how you heard about this so that I make sure to click. OK, yes, let's connect on LinkedIn. I am Stephanie Nishi. Um, I'm also, I started the Twitter journey, who knows, but I'm giving it, giving it a shot. So I'm at Steph underscore Nishi, that's N-I-S-H-I. Uh, so feel free to connect with me there. I've been sharing updates from different um, conferences, research, um, even podcasts. So Rodney, make sure to let me know and I'll post it on there too. Fantastic. And I guess the final thing is Steph, do you have anything you want to plug? Is there any sort of projects you're working on, uh, not academia related, or it could be academia related that you want to share with our listeners? Ooh, there's so many things that I feel deserve recognition. Um, one of them is the group Plant-Based Canada. It's a science and nutrition and environmental group that talks about everything related to health and wellness. And it's led by Dr. Zara Kazem and Michelle Fedele. 
I'd also like to shout out the Toronto 3D group, including Rodney and others. I think that they're doing a lot of very interesting and great work, especially in regards to Dr. John Zeeman-Piper and Dr. David Jenkins in regards to the portfolio diet and all the technological advances that are being brought into play there. So I think those are the two main ones at this point. I know I'm probably missing a boatload of other things that... I should be sharing at this time, um, but please feel free to connect and I'm happy to connect people with other things or share them as well there. That's okay, Steph. We'll get you to share more the next time we bring you back onto the podcast. There's so many other researchers <laughs> that I feel like you need to highlight here. <laughs> well, Steph, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure having you here, sticking around for both episodes, and we hope to have you back soon sometime in the near future. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Rodney. So for our listeners, before we go, just a few housekeeping items to take care of, just like every episode. This podcast and the Alumni Association is proudly sponsored by the University of Toronto Affinity Partner in Manulife for supporting the student and alumni experience. Discover the benefits of Affinity products at uft.me forward slash DNSAA. That is uft.me forward slash DNSAA. Now, if you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, make sure to follow us on the platform that you are listening on so that you'll always know when a new episode is being released. If you have any comments, suggestions, or feedback, you can always send us an email or reach out to us at our departmental website. And also, check out our YouTube channel, University of Toronto DNSAA, where we upload videos of lectures and panels that we have throughout the year. And finally, did you know, our department is on Twitter. It's not us, the Alumni Association, but if you are interested in seeing the latest news regarding our department in real time, give us a follow on Twitter at Nutrisci underscore UFT. That's Nutrisci, N-U-T-R-I-S-C-I underscore UFT. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Stephanie Nishi talking about her time as a graduate student here at the University of Toronto and also her current work as a postdoctoral researcher in Spain. Thanks again for joining us and we hope you join us next time on our next episode.